0: Hey, everyone hey uh, we're back <laughs> we we actually did it we made it a whole week and we're doing another one um and the world didn't quite fall all the way apart um <laughs> and and we're here for more questions and curiosity uh um, yeah. i'll give i guess i can give our little spiel again um so we're here every week every tuesday night at 9 p.m central we're live and then we're putting up the videos and everything afterwards to sit with questions, to engage our curiosity. The show's all questions considered. The idea is bring the questions, whatever they are. Uh, Brandon preps some, and then we're asking you for whatever questions you've got and we sit with them. We sit in the discomfort of not quite having a clear answer right away. Try to enjoy the questions themselves and have a little fun uh, engaging that Part of our brain and inviting one another into some curiosity. So here we are back at it.
1: Yeah. And each week we'll have a topic. And so uh, this week we're jumping into, uh, I feel like we're jumping into the deep end. I'm a little bit, a little bit nervous. I don't know about you, Drew, <laughs> um, but uh, but last week's was, I feel like, I don't know, a little bit uh, of an introductory topic, an episode about certainty and curiosity and kind of about questions. Yeah. And now this week since 4th of July was yesterday we figured it was appropriate to do an episode, do a a live for questions about faith America Christianity how does it all mix and mingle should it mix and mingle Sure I know I've yeah I a lot of questions but uh
0: right we're jumping into the deep end Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of garden country, right? This is, um, right. We're jumping from sort of like a very removed from uh, your everyday life in, in some sense, talking about kind of what is certainty to talking about the everyday. What, how, what is the landscape of religion and faith in our country? What does it mean to be a, a Christian person and to be a person of faith in this country? What's the relationship and function or dysfunction of the relationship between? religion and uh and our country and the way that it runs so yeah we're 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 jumping into it and i'll say this now and probably say it again later this is a really big and broad topic so we're gonna hit on some of it but there's a good chance that we revisit this topic in the future so Start sharing your questions in the chat with us. We'd love to hear what you had to say and sit with those questions as well. And even if you're watching later, uh, drop some questions because there's a good chance that especially we might take like a deeper dive on certain facets of uh, the relationship between faith and flag, God and country, um, the religious landscape of our country right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm nervous about what people think. We're like, I'm nervous that people think we have an agenda here with this episode of God and Country. Of, <laughs> but uh, but just a reminder, this is a safe space for all questions. Um, so any questions are welcome. Um, please comment with them wherever you're watching or streaming from. Uh, we'd love to see that. But yeah, I've got a. But first, while we give some people some time to jump in, uh, maybe ask a question. Drew, how was your 4th of July? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Did y'all do anything patriotic?
0: It was pretty good. We, we laid low. We were a little patriotic. My kids uh, like birthday parties. And so like other birthday parties, they had a lot of fun um, celebrating our country's birthday. They tend to call it red, white, and blue day, right? I've got nice. a, a four and a half year old and a two and a half year old. And they were, they were giving their own parades through our living room. We watched a little bit of fireworks and, um, from my parents house and saw some family uh did a a true american thing and ate some hot dogs and all that good stuff how about yourself
1: yeah hot dogs were definitely involved for us too uh we went to a little parade in a small town outside of San marcus and had some fun but uh but we were definitely in bed by like nine o'clock before the fireworks part of our uh fourth of july tradition is to give our dogs some benadryl uh before going to bed because she freaks out with fireworks so uh so yeah, that definitely happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and especially I was uh, telling somebody I said I where my house is, um, I'm there. I'm relatively close to Lake Travis here outside of Austin, and people are, I'm sure, shooting some fireworks where they're not supposed to, but also some fireworks over the lake and things. And um, but we can't see them from my house; we can just hear them. So you get all the you know the the worst parts of fireworks without yeah. the pretty part of fireworks.
1: Yeah, um, once they make uh, silent fireworks, we'll we'll have arrived.
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. I see that Chandrika is watching. Hey, Chandrika. And uh, we've got a quest- question from her that uh, I'll probably ask first or second for you, Drew. Oh, great. Um, but I love it. So let's go ahead and jump into questions here, man. Sounds um, good. And I'm really excited to hear you not answer these questions. Um, but <laughs> stuff that I uh, for you to consider these questions. There you go. Uh, but it's stuff that I really do uh, wrestle with. These are these are real questions that um, that I feel deeply. And, and part of it, I think about my identity as an American and my identity as a Christian. I feel there's a lot of overlap in my feelings about both of those identities. I know for me, um, as an American or as a Christian, I kind of am wondering like, do I want to identify with this because of how other people might. Think of Mm. what it means to be an American or what they might assume about me as an American, what I think about the world. Same with Christian. Uh, Sometimes I'm hesitant to use the identity as Christian because I'm like, I might not be Christian in the way that you think of Christian. And so I feel that way about being an American, about being Christian. Um, So there's a lot of overlap here for me in my, uh, my patriotism and my my faith, so uh, so I'm excited. Yeah, for these they're questions.
0: both they're both words like American and Christian both have a lot of baggage, right? So <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll unpack a little bit of it tonight, maybe.
1: I love it. Okay, I'm actually going to kick off with Chandrika's question that she just wrote, um, which is kind of similar to what we we're just talking about. And her question is: Are religion and faith synonymous? Oh, Drew, tell me what you think. Are religion and faith synonymous?
0: Yeah. Oh uh, no. I would say that like at the, so, so I get, I love the question. I think it's a fantastic question. It's a question about definitions. Right. Um, and I would say that they have different definitions. Do we sometimes refer to the same thing when we're asking that? Right. Um, you might, you could, you could say that perhaps, uh, there's two ways to phrase the same question. Um, you know, what, what faith do you practice or what's your religion or what's your religious identity? Um, We do tend to talk about them the same in those ways. I think the words at their core, if we were to kind of take a step back from them are different. And I say that simply because, you know, sort of religion tends to refer to um, the structure of the thing. Uh, You know, it finds its roots from this like religio. So it's from either practices or from a framework. Mm. Uh, Faith at its core to me, uh, sort of as its word alone, um, just faith is really that sense of, and this comes from me probably being steeped as a Christian pastor and with Greek as the root for um, what I think of faith. But faith is sort of this um, commingling of belief and trust um, trusting and, and thinking. And so, um, I, we can talk about them the same way. We might say, um, a community of faith or religion or, or a practice of faith and a practice of religion We're we're maybe splitting hairs. Right. Um, but the words in general, I'd, I'd put a little bit of distance. Uh, but you know, if we're talking everyday conversation, probably most people are using them in a way where they mean the same thing. Um, that, mm. So that's maybe just me being kind of nitpicky and saying, well, that makes sense. You know, here's, you know, the Christian religion or the Christian faith and either way, I might be talking about practices or things. Um, but I might talk about what's at the heartbeat of faith in a slightly different way than I talk about, like the heartbeat of a religion. Um, yeah. Like but they're, that. they're close, close
1: Yeah. It seems like, and I might be totally mishearing you here, but I like (laughs) kind of religion as a kind of a structure that I can step in a little bit, but, uh, but faith being kind of the orientation of something going on in here. So it's like, I feel like sometimes I share the same religion as other people with a different um, maybe sometimes a different faith, belief, trust kind of thing going on um, or which I don't mind. I think it's kind of nice.
0: Yeah. And as I hear you say that maybe one of the ways that I could frame what's going on in my mind is uh, religion might be like a set of practices or mm-hmm. a community in which you are doing these practices. And the thing that you're practicing is faith, trust, mm-hmm. and belief. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that's why, you know, if, if we add some modifiers around faith, then I do think you can get really close to making a synonym with religion. Mm-hmm. But.
1: Yeah, I like it. Okay. Uh, we've got another question. This one, a uh, pretty, pretty on topic with today's, uh, theme of faith and flag. Some people believe the constitution is divinely inspired. (laughs) What do you say is the question. (laughs) So, uh, so what do you feel about this belief that the constitution might be divinely inspired?
0: Oh, sure. Um, I, you hear that a lot lately, right? Whether it's talking about the constitution as a whole or, um, rights that are protected by amendments to the constitution of this country as, um, sort of divinely given, um, God ordained inspired. Um, there's, there's a lot to unpack there in the idea of like, what is an inspired document? Um, what is, Mm -hmm. what is a divinely inspired document that is probably left for when we're talking about scripture and things. Um, what I would say is as a person of the Christian faith, um, we don't count the constitution as scripture as a a, and so it's not a divinely inspired Ah,
1: from the christian Um. perspective or the christian tradition would is there a hard line between um scripture canon inspired texts and are things that are outside of that not inspired
0: uh, that's where it's going to depend on what we mean by inspiration, right? Um, uh, like, are they helpful? That. Are they helpful rules and guides for life? Yes. Um, would it, would something like a constitution perhaps get even a little bit close to doctrine? Well, somebody could potentially treat them as sort of doctrine. Um, but most most uh, denominations, most communities of Christian faith would separate the idea of scripture and doctrine, like as um, like two kinds of sets of writing is again, you know, it depends on what we're talking about when it's inspired is could the divine have played a part in inspiring people to do something? Yes. Um, is that, is there a difference between that and this sense of like almost like a holy telephone that sometimes we talk about when, we, when people talk mm-hmm. about scripture where it's like God whispered in somebody's ear and they whispered in somebody else's ear to keep the oral tradition exactly right. And, um,
1: until I, the you know, virus was invented. Yeah, we're
0: kind of yeah. we're kind of mixing things there. But I would just, you know, to more on the, the topic of, you know, is the is the Constitution a, a God ordained document. Um, I I don't think that, you know, as a whole in the Christian faith we would say so. I know that there are some Christians that think so and and sort of follow you, you this you can find a
1: christian who believes anything so yeah well
0: exactly right like we're not a monolith which is my favorite answer yeah. for anytime anybody asks me as we're pastor. not a monolith yeah well any anytime anybody asks me as a pastor a question about like what do muslims think about and i'm like okay what do christians think about it like you guys yeah. gotta ask like well who which christian um yeah. you know all, all of this kind of stuff and so, i mean so first understand. of all
1: it's bothering me drew that you're not just coming down with a hammer, saying yeah. no, it's not divinely inspired because it says some people are three fifths yeah. of a person, and so there's a part of me that's yeah. like, say it's not inspired, Drew.
0: Sure, um, but then well, at the so- same
1: time, we can look at the the you know the Bible, and there's a lot of horrific things there that I'm like, am I gonna say that that's inspired? So uh, I'm I'm just like, you know, stepping back from yeah. like I don't know if anything's
0: inspired. <laughs> yeah. Well, and. And so, you know, to like, if I want to put my own now that we've sat in the question a little bit, right, maybe at this point, I, I would be comfortable saying like, from from my perspective, I, I think it's a, a very firm no, like that's yeah. a, but it. But again, you somebody asking that question might have a very different interpretation of divinely inspired or, or God ordained sure. than I do yeah. um, that I don't know. Right. So so to, to give the question it's due. Now, like, based on sort of my my working definitions of it, I I'd, I'd say no, and for many of the reasons that you point out, right? Like, it's a very fallible document. It was incomplete at the start. It was actually never set up to be a, a fully complete thing. Like, it's set up to take amendments, and mm-hmm. um, you know, but we needed bills of rights, and we needed all of <laughs> I these like things the, to the idea to that it's divinely
1: inspired, but we have to amend it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and and so again, right? Depending on on how we're defining some of these terms. Um, No, but in terms of like, as, as a person of faith, do I take the constitution of this country as um, in a similar way that I would take any text of, of scripture, or even sort of like uh, commentary rules of, of faith for scripture? No. Is it, does it give guidance for how we live together in community? Yes. But if that is ever to come into tension with the guidance for how we live together uh, that that comes from God In my faith tradition. My core identity is faith, not American. So here's, you know, this is maybe some of the stuff we're going to be around in this, the way that I would articulate some of these differences is like the core piece of my identity is not a political party and isn't even my nationality, um, but is, is beloved child of God, which Mm. is, was a beloved bearer of God's own image and you are too, right? Not just you, Brandon, but everybody that's here and, and everybody in the world. And Sometimes that's be just me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, you know, um, the, uh,
1: but, Jesus like, died on the cross for me specifically. And, and the world. And me right? and, his <laughs> um, uh, and the,
0: yeah. but yeah, no, it, and I mean, but that's, so like, that's when, when those core practices come, come head to head, right? Like, well, where, where do I lean? Um, but is uh, one of the things that's somewhat hard to articulate and has been used really poorly in Lutheran theology and doctrine is um, this idea of of two kingdoms. But generally, it's like we're we're citizens of two nations, of two kingdoms mm-hmm. as as people of faith, um, citizens of of the reign of God, citizens of God's kingdom, and citizens of of our nation, um, and mm-hmm sometimes those things work really well together and in good and healthy relationship. And, uh, sometimes they don't. And, Mm. and when push comes to shove as as a, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, like that's my ultimate citizenship. Um, and, uh, and so when those paths diverge, the, the path that I'm called to follow is, is the path of, The kingdom of god not whatever earthly kingdom i'm in right now um but that's really tricky and it's hard to enter into those times of discernment and it takes a lot of i think communal discernment around that um if you want to know more about like the lutheran idea of two kingdoms as it bears out in reality um the life of of dietrich bonhoeffer and particularly his writings on discipleship um and i would get the like scholars annotated edition um really he's he's figuring that out in uh germany as it's becoming more and more fascist and and the nazis are taking over um yeah yeah so we're talking
1: about dietrich bonhoeffer german christian in the uh i'm guessing he's writing in the 30s and 40s um yeah yeah super interesting in which yeah uh i know you and i have talked before about kind of drawing parallels of that time and this time of living in america and um yeah it's interesting to uh, tease out how do you kind of believe in and try to um contribute to the nation that you want to live in and when do you kind of say oh Mm. crap (laughs) things have gone too far and i uh um yeah when do you kind of fight against what it is
0: yeah man people bring in great questions tonight i love it we haven't even gotten to brandon and i like workshop some questions beforehand y'all have better questions than we came up with (laughs) (laughs)
1: awesome well drew how about one of the uh the questions that i wrote down sure Um, So tell me about what major shifts and changes have you noticed or or have we seen in the U.S. religious landscape? Um, And take us back. I don't know if uh, you can talk about that over the past handful of years uh, or go back decades if you want. But what major shifts and changes have we seen in the U.S. religious landscape?
0: Thanks. Um, Full disclosure, I asked Brandon to ask me this question because I like talking (laughs) about this. And I just think it gives a little bit of helpful framework for the other questions that we're talking about. Um, I, I talk about some of this stuff when I talk with and work with congregations who are trying to change, trying to innovate, realizing that um, the church of, of days of yore is not existent anymore. And that the way we've always done it, isn't the way we should do it or, or that we can even do it now sometimes. Um, But there's, there's a ton Uh, first I take it sort of with like personal life changes that have impacted a lot of people's personal life that also impact, um, our religious outlook as, as Christians in the country from the simple fact of like, people don't know their, their literal next door neighbors the way that a lot of people used to. So I think about it this way. And some of this is the difference between, uh, a lot of, especially younger folks, like we're, we're. Uh, in more urban areas than um, sometimes our, our ancestors or previous generations were. Um, And so I think about like, I could drive my dad through the town he grew up in and he could tell me like almost every person that lived in every house and, and could tell me things about them, not just their name uh, and their family name and things. Um, And most of us, um, whether we're in an apartment complex or a suburb like me, or whatever. Like I, I know like three, um, especially the ones that are like right by me, and um, and then as you kind of circle out. And so you know how how we relate to one another has sort of fundamentally shifted. Um, we could mm. talk forever about social media and the way that we have a lot more um, sort of acquaintance and really light kind of connections with people, and a lot fewer sort of middle ring. And you're seeing that even again with a lot of work from home. You know, it's different to build mm. collegiality. Um, when you're not in an office together, like, yeah, you might get more done because nobody's walking through your door or, you know, you're not pausing for a 30 minute conversation, but you also probably don't know your coworkers quite as well. It's not always true. Online community is real community, but, but that shift, that shift changes
1: neighbor and, um, and kind of social media connections and the, the different ways that we interact and are connected or not connected to our neighbor. How do you see that kind of interacting with the religious landscape?
0: So most I think most people looked for a type of relationship or got a type of relationship out of their church or their faith community um, that they don't have a lot of period these days. And, and because the way we relate to one another has changed, even people who are really involved in congregations and worshiping communities these days may not find the same level or the same kinds of relationship that they were finding in other spheres and places so um there's a great book i'm forgetting the author's name right now but it's called the vanishing neighbor and he talks about kind of three rings of relationships and that most churches existed on the middle ring and um the middle ring has has gotten smaller those sort of middle relationships where we know something not everything about somebody so not your closest friends but much closer than most of your facebook friends right Um, and you're saying we kind of
1: have like these three tiers of relationships. There's the few people that we're really close to. There's the Facebook friends that are kind of the outer ring, but we used to have kind of a middle circle that I'm guessing like hundred or so ish people. That's like, we kind of know them and they know us.
0: And, and for most of America that has, uh, that ring has shrunk. There are fewer people in that Mm -hmm. middle space, but the church used to like live and thrive on creating those middle space relationships. Um, And, and also I'd say like some people, I don't know if everybody misses that kind of relationship or, or you can find some of those relationships. I've been in part of online communities where that kind of relationship has been built. Um, And, and so it kind of poses this question of like, well, well then if we're not facilitating that type of relationship um, you know, there's one piece where, where church has changed. And then in the same way, like some other kind of factors, It was already changing when you and I were growing up, but even, you know, here around Austin, you saw blue laws change, right? Like only certain businesses could be open on Sundays and not until, you know, restaurants could open at noon, but stores couldn't open till two or stores couldn't open at all. Um, And that that's different Um, already when we were young, uh, sporting events happened. But for a lot of, you know, people, uh, the generation older than us, and especially two generations older than us, they remember a time where like nothing happened on Sundays because everybody would go to church and sort of the government Mm. held space for religious activity on Sundays. Mm. Um, and, and it doesn't do that anymore. Travel's also cheaper and easier than it ever was. So where a lot of people used to be, you know, I, I say that, I know there's tons of news stories right now about like how crazy it is to fly, but generally compared to 40 or 50 or 60 years ago, air travel is still cheaper and easier um than it ever was and so it um like people are gone people travel people move more than they used to Um, they're not staying planted in communities and all of that changes how we relate to one another um, and who our neighbor is and Mm. and how we can figure out who our neighbor is and if the if the crux of faith for christians is this great commandment to love god with all you have and all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself Um, And you don't know your neighbors and the way that you relate to your neighbors is constantly changing. It's really hard. Um, And I I mean, I think that there's at least a piece of that that leads itself into what we see now of this, you know, everybody loves to talk about echo chambers or, um, you know, the ways that we entrench ourselves and in us and them. Uh, or the way that we look at people um, here in Austin, right? The way that we look at all those Californians moving in, um, and uh, you know, all, whatever categories we want to put, but that that plays really deeply into, I think, the shift in religious landscape. The other thing is, like, people used to move to a new place, and on their list of stuff to do was find a church. And most people our age, Brandon, if they're moving to a new place, like, it's not that like they're against that, but it's just not even on the list. Like, it's not something people are looking to do. And so, you know, I know there's a, there was Gallup takes a poll of who's, um, you know, how many people in the country are part of a faith community. Um, and for the first time ever last year, uh, or first time since they've been doing this in about 100 years, just under 100 years, there were less than um, 50%, 50% of people. Yeah. And, and so now you have a shift in landscape over even just the last decade, but especially over the last 30 to 50 years, um, where people are, uh, there are more people who aren't part of a faith community than people who are. Um, Mm -hmm. and what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? How does that feel for people to whom a faith community is still incredibly crucial? Mm -hmm. Um, how does it feel to people who, who it's not, um, and whose views have changed? And then, in that same fifty years, you you have seen, or really in the last maybe century, um, Diana Butler Bass has been writing a lot about this. I'll put a, a link in the in the chat comments here in just a second. But the um, this sort of like battle of this theological battle in the twentieth century between. Um, fundamentalists and modernists um Mm -hmm. and uh there's this great sermon from the early 1900s this guy preaches and says will the fundamentalists win and this idea of setting people up against each other and you saw shifts in a lot of denominations and you're still seeing them my own denomination split in 2009 had a lot of uh congregations leave the united Methodist church is going through some stuff right now in the same way where a lot of congregations are leaving over um you know, a variety of issues. There's usually one presenting issue, but that's not even new. Back in the early 70s, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod had um, a major, major split. And uh, there were a couple of really um, strong, more conservative, fundamentalist folks who got a lot of power in that denomination. Um, and And then a lot of people, a lot of the more progressive or modernist thinkers, um, left. And it uh, was around, uh, pretty much around women's ordination and how you interpret scripture. And, and, um, and then the Southern Baptist convention in the late seventies had almost the exact same thing happen where the same thing, a few um really fundamentalist and conservative people got in power and you you watched it split in the cooperative baptist federation exists now and honestly my own denomination the elca which was a merger of some other lutheran churches wouldn't exist without the group that left the Mm -hmm. lutheran church missouri senate and um and so you saw even there right this fracturing so now um if we wanted to be so, so crass and lots of people still do this today, it'd be like, you've got the conservative Lutheran churches and the progressive Lutheran churches. And I'd say the same thing, like you and I were talking about earlier, none none of everybody's a monolith and every congregation in those denominations is different. And uh, the people in the pews in those congregations are different, but you saw people already kind of setting themselves up to be um, polarized. So when you look at often what's happening within the, religious at least within the christian landscape in the last 50 years you saw some other thing in in political parties sort of setting themselves up more and more in direct opposition to one another less and less willing to work um for one another more and more assured that we're right and they don't have anything to offer um and and anytime we're working in those big broad generalities uh, i mean honestly that's why i love this these curiosity questions right like we need to lean in Uh, and understand each other and listen to each other. And if we can, when we can, but, you know, in some ways, I think we've, we've dug our heels in too deep um, in certain areas of life. So,
1: yeah, gosh, it's, you're, uh, in some ways, I feel like I'm losing hope as we go, like, what is the hope (laughs) of of unity here? Uh, But it's interesting. It makes me think about the first question from the comments of the difference between religion and faith. And Sure. Um, sometimes I feel like when we get too wrapped up in the belief side of it, I wonder if there's ever any hope for unity if we really start to define ourselves around what we believe um, and how we, how we specifically define it versus maybe the more religious side of what, what do we practice together and what do we, um, you know, to me that's anyways. But also yeah. there's maybe there's room for um, kind of defining ourselves on belief. I know for you, you're a Lutheran. Which yeah. means you're not a Methodist, or you're not, a Baptist, <laughs> you know, you're not one of those people, one of those heathens. Sure. Um, well, and I ask, I do
0: ask myself often, right? Like, what, uh, what's at stake, and is it worth it to continue in a, as like a distinct expression, right? And I think that it's only healthy to keep asking that, and and hopefully you have some good answers, right? Um, the big example for the the Lutheran churches across the world was um, the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation was in 2017. And almost everything that the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church, the Reformers disagreed on in 1517, um, is it, we 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 agree on now. But there are a few mm. different things. So um, you got it right. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> the the answer is neither of us. You and I were talking about this uh, earlier today. You're, you're um, like humble, we, but... we're you know just because one side is wrong doesn't mean the other side was right. It turns out we both got a lot <laughs> wrong. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, we actually every time we we commemorate uh, Reformation day, which is Halloween, um, October 31st, like there's a, there needs to be a piece of lament as well as celebration in there. Like there were good things that came out of this, but also there's a lot of rough stuff and a lot of bloodshed. And, um, you know, you're talking about coming together. I, I think, you know, in, in some sense, there's a point where, uh, there ought to be as faith inspired justice, where you, where you stand and clearly declare your, your moral position and, uh, and in favor of, of justice for people and hopefully aligned with your faith. Um, but it, it ought not, uh, as it's best able to create enemies and ideally, uh, as people of the Christian faith, it ought to love enemies. Um, which doesn't always mean, which, which doesn't, I should say, mean agree with or let them do whatever they want. Um, if it's causing harm and, um, or that we don't try and learn more from one another. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but that's, that's where in some of the hope lies for me is in, uh, in this Jesus who, who shows this third way, this both and, um, path between the entrenchment of either or, um, and who says, you know, Hey, Hey, love your enemies, but who very clearly speaks out against injustice, um, and, and so, yeah, it's you know, how, how do we find and model that we should stop and, uh, or I should stop. And I should one say, um, if folks have more questions, we should ask them, um, or you should ask them whether you're watching later or not. Um, again, this is a big topic. And so, um, we'll be in here for another 15 or 20 minutes, but, um, yeah, the video will be I'm up for sure, longer.
1: You know, like you said, this is such a big topic. I wouldn't doubt if at some point we come back around to this topic, maybe dive deep into um a specific area of it so if you've got any questions now or in the future from now when when is the present for you um if you've got any questions about this feel free to comment we'll definitely go back and uh and uh talk to you online and maybe even do another one of these around this topic so okay drew let me move on to here's a favorite question of mine okay is america a christian nation let's start with that is america a christian nation
0: is America a Christian nation? Yeah, and uh, I was going to go through. And yeah, should it be? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and should it be? Um, so, I, again, at the risk of being a little bit redundant, is, you know, it's kind of necessary to to define some of these terms. And this is where I find.
1: I'm going to make uh, you some of these questions. I'm going to say, I,
0: Drew, you're not allowed to define anything. You just yeah. need to an answer. Well, that's not the show, (laughs) but, but I'm going to try to do both. Right. So I'm going to try to give you to define it and then I can maybe give my answer. Um, but I'd like to do it in that order. This is what I find really often. So, uh, I think that it is a gift of the local church that we can have conversations about hard things. And that's what Mm -hmm. we're trying to model by this show. Right. And this is something that we try to do in my congregation at spirit in the hills. Um, And the one of the really the most important things is to help make sure that we're not talking past each other, but to define key terms. So, for instance, um, pretty much the whole time I've been the pastor here, we've had uh, conversations on again, off again, but fairly regularly about uh, the sin of racism in this country and systemic racism and white supremacy and prejudice but we define all of those terms when we're going to talk about them because Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise we all come in with our own definitions or sometimes they're not our own definitions. They're um, Tucker Carlson's definition or Rachel Maddow's definition or whoever. Right. Um, And, and we'll say something and they, and we'll talk right past each other. So is America a Christian nation? Like if you mean that, is it a nation that has some Christians in it? Absolutely. Um, is it a nation where you're free to practice Christianity? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, is it, uh, a nation that is sort of that, that was, you know, God ordained to be, um, God's holy people and nation. I, I really don't think so. Um, as much as, as much as certain figures in, uh, the history of this country have, um, and in the presence of this country, I should say, you know, we would reference like a light would be to be a light on the Hill or these things. Um, I think that's a, a false conflation of a nation with, um, with the people of God. And, um, and so I, you know, I think we're, we're, we're mixing, we're mixing roles in an unhelpful way. Um, did, are certain i guess i should add you know one thing that sometimes people mean when they say you know is this a christian nation will so reference like the people who wrote the declaration of independence or the constitution mm. were um you know shaped by their faith and and probably just like you are and i am and and all of us are shaped by what we believe and practice and the communities that we hold um and, you know, famously, some of our founding fathers like did and didn't like parts of scripture and would rip them out. And like they they had some strong opinions. Um, and uh, but I it's not clear to me. It doesn't seem to me that at any point they set out to draft the documents in such a way as this would be in perfect alignment with what an expression of the kingdom of God on earth would be. Um mm. I like, I don't read that at least, at least not clearly. And and I don't really think at all. And we already talked a little bit at the beginning about some of the severe problems with um, some of the, the beef beliefs and standpoints and documents at the found, at the heart of the founding of this country that are very um, anti-Christian that don't look and sound at all like Jesus. Um, and and so to me, to me, no, but. You know, if, if you mean, can you, can, are you, are you free to practice your Christianity here? Yeah. Um, do we do our best to protect the freedom of religion? Uh, we have at times. It doesn't seem like we are right now. Um, so intent on freedom of religion for everyone. But uh, Christians still being in the majority, except if you're not counting secular folks, as we talked about in the Gallup change, Um Still, still have it pretty easy, right? Like, I mean, even our school calendars are typically built around giving uh, Christian religious holidays off. Yeah. Whereas like our, our Jewish brothers and sisters and Muslim brothers and sisters, like, you know, I had friends that would come to football practice or basketball practice or things while they were fasting all day from Ramadan. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, And so like it just... Yeah. You know, is it? No. Should it be? Um, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's unhelpful to mix in that way. I think that a uh, clear distinction between church and state, a, a clear definition of even, you know, those two citizens, that dual citizenship status I referenced earlier of a citizen of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven and a citizen of whatever nation we're in. Right. So the United States um, there's, there's some overlapping in that like we live with a foot in each, Um, but it's, it's really helpful when they're pretty clearly defined. Um, there's the, the text I would look to on this, like if you want, um, if people are interested in scriptures, I just go back again and again, uh, to the, you know, people's question to Jesus, um, you know, do, should we pay taxes? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? Um, and, you know, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's, which is like that there's, that there's. Um, there is distinction to be made. The other thing I'd think about is, um, God's people tend to get in a lot of trouble when they try to, uh, organize a nation and have God sort of like as the justifier of it. Um, we tend to look more like Egypt and Babylon and Rome and, you know, like the nations that were the bad guys in scripture than we tend to look like, and even right, like I should say that's the, that's, uh. Israel runs into some of this trouble, you know, like the, the nation of Israel in, uh, the Hebrew scriptures runs into trouble when they start acting a little too much like, um, like their neighbors, right. And Christianity runs into this trouble when, after the conversion of Constantine, when all of a sudden you see Jesus who was executed by Rome, uh, being depicted in the late three hundreds as a Roman centurion soldier or as the emperor, um, and it's just yeah. uh i think it's not i think i think the danger is too high that we'll miss the mark of uh the actual meaning of the story and the actual teachings of the faith um that we would that will that will mess up the order that will put the wrong thing first um and it just seems to happen again and again and again um and i guess to cap that like to cap it off my understanding of who Jesus is and the way that God works is that um, God desires love and gives us free will to love. So like we should not be coercing people into the faith um, because, or into a religion. Um, It seems antithetical to the way that uh, God and Jesus seem to operate um, for me. And so, so as, as I read it and as a long line of Christian faith has, has read it. In fact, that, somebody was just asking me, like, did once once Rome converted to Christianity, it became the majority religion. Did they start persecuting other religions? And there's not, at least in that moment, there's not a lot of record of that. Um, it it does come that Christians start persecuting other like the Crusades or, you know, an easy early example of that gone wrong. Um, but I think it's really easy to say the church was wrong there. Um, and, and in its effort no, right. to create a Christian nation, um, it, it just, it did it so poorly and caused so much pain and death and suffering and moved in a way that seems so antithetical, um, to the love of God in Jesus Christ that, um, that you just want to say like, well, what were you doing? And so I think, you know. uh to me, it's a it's a it would be a tenant of the faith to protect a, a true freedom of religion for, for whatever faith. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't even know exactly what that would look like to uh, to identify a boundary land with <laughs> I don't know mandatory. Sure. Mandatory faith, uh, religious participation, or what does that look
0: like? Just for to you know to set up the the type of theocracy that's maybe outlined in scripture, which is like where you know people throw that word around a lot, but like where there is no king because God is the king, Mm. Um, and yeah, how do you how do you organize yourself? How do you do all this kind of stuff? Um, Should we seek to you know? I guess you know the the follow up question that I would ask is like, okay, well, are there political implications to the gospel?
1: To which I'd say, yes,
0: like the gospel has something to say about how we organize our life together uh, in a way that that defines what belongs to who and gives it to them, Um, which is the definition of justice. So, (laughs) Uh,
1: so America isn't and maybe shouldn't be a Christian nation is what I'm hearing you say. Um, But it sounds like the gospel and Christianity has political implications. So. That leads to my question of, is Jesus a Republican, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, here? Let, let me, let me uh, zoom out a little bit. And um, if you've got a minute or two.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I'm curious.
1: There's this relationship that I think many people have noticed between political parties and and, and faith, specifically Christianity. I actually can't think of another religion that has such a strong connection with uh, political parties and um, you know, evangelicals with kind of right-wing faith. Um, Republicanism. There seems to be this interesting co-mingling with Christianity and political parties in America, especially um, the past few decades. Yeah. What What's going on there? Is that because the gospel has political implications, and those happen to align with the Republican Party? What's going on there?
0: Yeah. No, great question. So this is where um, I am really fond of talking about the difference between political and partisan and. Uh, We tend to make those synonyms in our everyday conversations as in this country. Um, Political means having to do with how we organize our life together. Um, And I do think that there are that like Jesus talks about that all the time, that the reign of God, um, the kingdom of God, like it's, it's all about how, how life is organized together according to God's will. Um, And it comes near, right? Um, It's at hand, Jesus says. And so there's, there's a way of life um, that's personal and communal. Um, And what's interesting in this country is uh, you tend to see between our two parties um, that argument, like stalemate, like what's best for the person and what's best for the community Like we tend to come to a head and what's interesting is all throughout scripture, um, all throughout the gospels, it's like, it's, it's a both. And like, it's, there's a, there's a personal aspect and a communal aspect, but so there's a political aspect. There's a way that we arrange ourselves So the gospel is political. Uh, The gospel is not partisan. Just Mm -hmm. to say that anytime we think that a particular political party um, is the party of God, um, and is stamped by god and has has their agenda that's exactly the same as the gospel's agenda we've made an idol out of that political party um and and as a colleague would say you know God does not tolerate divided worship right and we and we mm-hmm. we would have made an idol out of um a party what's inter you know there's some interesting things then at play in the current, religio-political landscape, right? With, with those definitions at hand, right? When I say the gospel is political, it has to do with how we relate to one another in ways that look like the reign of God, uh, that promote abundant life for all, um, that, that include justice and equity um, and a wholeness for people. Um, And so I hope, right? It actually is my hope that people of faith are so shaped by their faith that they do act according to that faith and even vote according to that faith. For me, the conversation in that case turns to policies and not just any one particular policy, because we can get in trouble there too, because our view gets too narrow. Um, But, but it comes to policies uh, rather than any particular politician or, or party platform. Um, because there is not a party platform, all of whose policies are, um, aligned with that of the gospel, and there probably won't ever be. Um, and you know, I, I, I would have quite high confidence in saying that will never happen. Um, and so there are what's interesting is, you know, parties do take certain positions, and so at times, um, I can make a statement that comes rooted in my faith and, uh, that's oriented in the way that I understand the gospel to be. And somebody will say, Oh, that's, that's really liberal. That's really conservative. That's you're such a Republican. You're such a Democrat. Um, and, uh, and for me, it's just like, I, you know, that stuff's not even necessarily on my radar though. Sometimes one side will set itself up against, you know, this happened a lot with, um, I think the role, so I'm, I'm talking all over the place. Let me slow down. Um, the the role of the church in a in a country like ours with these two parties back and forth and uh, with their changing and shaping platforms is to to be the conscience of the state. Um, it's to it's to remind people that politics are always personal. Uh, that our immigration policy impacts real people, um, real children being separated from parents still not being able to find them um and not being reunited you know this is um and and to tend and care for those people and to and to be that voice um of morality and depending on you know it's it's been interesting at different times but depending on whatever you know what a particular party or um president or senator or whoever you know whatever position they take with regard to some um, to something like immigration, like, yeah, I'm they're going to, it's going to sound like I'm very anti what they're like, anti that person's platform because I'm continually continually saying like, Hey, no, there is a, there's a scriptural call to welcome and provide hospitality to foreigners as if they were citizens. Um, and to, to receive the immigrant with hospitality and love and that they are also bearers of God's own image. And if somebody gets up and says, no, they're not, um, then yeah, it's framed what I've said in a way that, um, it looks like that. But I think that the church just continues to, to speak and proclaim that message, um, to strive for justice and peace in all the earth and to speak publicly on behalf of the marginalized and oppressed, uh, in the way that Jesus did to stand in solidarity with them, to move ourselves to where they are. Um, And uh, and so that's that's the role of the church in this. Now, what's interesting is in our political landscape in this country, um, most of the time people hear Christian and immediately think you're a Republican. And to me, the first like the first thing that I want to do is just be like, that's really interesting like how did that come to be right and to try and lean into to the curiosity of that um you know it's interesting to me i was i have some videos on tiktok um and i had a i had one that one of my more popular ones um i said god is not republican or actually there was a sound there's was a gunger song that has the line god is god does not belong to republicans and uh And I had another video that said God, that had something that had me saying God is not a Democrat. Um, and most people, if I were to say God is not a Democrat would just like take it as it comes. Um, but to hear like God is not Republican or Jesus isn't Republican Mm -hmm. there, there likely would be somebody that would get really defensive about that. And I find the same thing in talking about like expansive gender language for God, talking about God is mother. Um, or to say that, like, you know, nobody would bat an eye if I, you know, very few people, if I said God is not a woman, but if I said God is not a man, people are like, what do you mean God's not a man? Um, and uh, and so the, the, the skill I hope people can learn is when that happens, to lean into curiosity and to actually mean the question. Like, so, you know, you might get defensive. What do you mean God is not Republican, right? And I was like, I want you to just slow down and actually sit with that question like what do you mean god is not republican um yeah and uh because yeah they're the way uh there's a great book called jesus and john wayne that talks about the rise of evangelicals as a voter base um and kobes Dumez, and like the uh, or a, a friend and fellow Lutheran pastor Angela Danker wrote a book. Um, I'll go put all these in the comments, or if you're listening to the podcast uh, or on YouTube, I'll put them in like the show notes and the comments and things. Um, it the the like understanding evangelical voters and um, evangelical Republican voters and how that came to be and the religious right movement and all of these things because we do tend to associate. Uh, There's a big conversation, you know, I'm part of the evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and there's always people within our denomination being like, do we, do we have to get, do we need to get rid of the evangelical title? Like, Mm -hmm. because we don't match as a denomination or we're afraid of association with like this often referred to voter block of evangelicals. um, Also, you know, self-defined Christians in certain, you know, stances, but it's almost like, you know, you saw the shift from Billy Graham and like born again, to this word evangelical. Um, and, and so it does, it comes with, it comes with this baggage of, you know, a seeming relationship to one party. Um, in fact, you've seen even lately, uh, what, what one pastor in Tennessee famously just lost their 501c3 because he was saying you can't vote Democrat and be a Christian. Um, and so like, uh, you know, there's weird relationships between church and state. And that way, but a church is a nonprofit, which means we can speak to policy, but we don't, uh, speak two or four can two or four or against candidates. Um, and, uh, and so we go, I go advocate for, for policies, um, that align with the tenets of our faith and the teachings of our church. Um, but not, not for or against candidates at, or for or against parties. Right. So again, it's, it's political, but it's not partisan. these are nonpartisan things. Um, when a party like the the trick right is what we're seeing sometimes is like and and republicans do this and democrats do this like when a party takes a stance that seems you know directly against um what to me seems like a nonpartisan take um like then then it gets the waters get muddied really quickly Um, Yeah. yeah i mean
1: yeah i love the uh the clarity you're bringing with um you know christianity is not partisan. Um, and yet at the same time, you know, it opens up a whole bunch of new cans of worms and questions about what are the policies that, um, that a faith like Christianity does speak to. And, you know, some people very clearly feel, um, you know, abortion is quite, um, quite an issue right now that we're wrestling through. Yeah, sure. Um, and some people feel very confidently that, uh, that the gospel that Christianity would speak to it this direction. Other people feel very confident. It's this confidence, this direction. Um, yeah, it's, a. It's interesting how I, I love that that framework that you're bringing and yet it also opens up so much yeah. more conversation.
0: And, and on that one too, right. So kind of two things there. One, I hope, um, and I think it's one of it's, it's kind of in our plans that some of the deeper dives on this we can actually look at like some yeah. public issues, right? Like we can look at something like you know whats what is a faithful take on um, and, a, and a faithful way to address um, genetics, racism, uh, climate change, abortion all of these things and and again for some of those i'd love to bring in some experts and some people who are most impacted by this because there's one thing that i've learned of like the the people whose voice needs uh we need to listen to and, and that i need to listen to are the people who are most impacted by uh these decisions because again i think part of the role of the church is to remind people that policy and policy decisions and politics is personal, like it's really impacting real people's lives and the church ministers to those people. And so, um, how can, what, what allows us to most effectively minister to people where they are? Um, and again, you know, a lot of the, the stopping points, um, or I guess I should say this, if we're, um, I want to dive too deep into the recent, you know, uh, Dobbs Jackson and Roe v. Wade Uh, an abortion topic because I do think it deserves its own space. But what I will say is, you know, a lot of what we're talking about tonight is stuff that I told my congregation. I was like, I would love to talk with you one-on-one. We're going to do a small group study. Um, The Lutheran church actually has a social statement, a a social teaching on abortion. It's really old now. It's from 1991. It's like about as old as I am Um, and existed in a world where, you know, Roe v. Wade uh, was the rule of law. Um, and so, you know, it's, it, there's calls in my church right now at the denominational level to, is it time to revisit that? Um, sometimes the conversation stalls out in a plate, like this is the danger of not leaning into our curiosity in some ways is, and being willing to listen to like, and setting up, you know, it, setting up these two things against each other of like, is, is the protection of potential life or, or, uh, real and active harm to a person's bodily autonomy. Um, like how do you, how do you hold those two things together? And people want to jump to really quick answers. Um, and sometimes it takes at least a, you know, taking a, a slightly more all encompassing view of what are we really talking about when we talk about this? What's the, what's the full landscape? What's the real impact on real people right here and now? And that's to me why it's, why it's important, you know, if we're going to have those discussions on some of those topics to get, uh, some other folks in here who are in those groups where it's directly impacting their life right here and now. Um, cause I want you to hear from them, not from, not from me.
1: Yeah, for sure. We, uh, we could spend a whole, um, space on that would be really yeah. great um okay i love it drew and i know we need to wrap up we yeah we we're up, running
0: late we got you, wait, you have history? a wrap up for me
1: <laughs> uh i you know we've even got another question in here but um i'll kind of mention yeah. this one let's do it oh, you've, got, you've kind of already hit on this one earlier so uh so it might be helpful to to rewind once this is posted and, and hit on this but i've got a question what do you think is the difference between being a christian nation and being founded with christian beliefs And you kind of spoke to that some earlier about being founded with Christian beliefs. Um, You know, sure. No doubt some of the founding fathers had some kind of versions of Christianity. I know some of them were more deists. Um, Right. Others were Christians and hated parts of the Bible. I think it was Thomas Jefferson wanted to rip out certain sections. And uh, so they're kind of all over the map spiritually, um, which, uh, which. You know, I think it's a good thing to uh, to have sure. like, some diversity there with views. Um They didn't have much didn't.
0: diversity in other areas, so they. That's where they I was going. Unfortunately, the thought, diversity yeah. was very right. limited to uh, to just yes. yeah. And um, and we still feel the impact of that lack there. Yeah. For sure. Um. Yeah. I. I mean. I think to me, part of the the nuance is. um I think it would be wrong to expect anyone uh, to totally isolate their deeply held beliefs and core convictions and, and faith from whatever they're doing in life. Uh, We're kind of experts at compartmentalization in society. Like we like to do that. Like this is the church me and this is the work me, and this is the dad me, and this is the husband like, and, uh, and we can cause some harm when we try and do that. We can create some dissonance. Right. Um, in fact, you, I think you see it all over the place when you see people who go, um, and you know, I've, I've talked about, we talked about this in the church all the time, people who show up and you're like, okay. And it feels like, okay, we're listening to this. We're, we're trying to follow this Jesus guy. And then, um, people walk out the door and just like, like it never happened. Right. Um, so we, we love to compartmentalize, but I think that even when we try our best, that stuff finds its way out. Um, and we're whole people. So, uh, did the, did the faith of people who wrote those documents shape the documents? Yeah. Is that, uh, were they without fault in their beliefs? Were they a hundred percent Orthodox in, in whatever their faith was? Um, probably not because pretty much no one is. Um, and, uh, but was there, was there maybe some shaping and I mean like biblical writing has shaped, in every literature and document basically of the last, you know, 1500 years, 1800 especially,
1: years, especially in the West.
0: Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but most people, when they say Christian nation think like theocracy and whatever that ends up meaning for them you know, by its classical definition, that's God is the King. So, and, and kind of sets up in this hierarchy this way. Um, what's ironic is like a Christian theocracy. Uh, God has an upside-down kingdom. So like you know, God is is the servant king. Um, God is at the bottom of the pyramid. Um, it's an upside-down pyramid, so it, you know it kind of falls apart. It can fall apart pretty quick um, for most of our ideas. But most people mean something like that, or that um, you know, certain religious laws are the, the law of the, the default law of the land that mm. God's law is the law of the land. Yeah. Um, and I think and, like and that, so that's, uh, that's most people's definition of Christian nation or of, of theocracy.
1: I think uh, it's interesting. You know, I, sometimes I feel this, um, you know, we're a Christian nation. There's, there's some people that kind of subscribe to that. It's uh, I think something that we got right was separation of church and state yeah. and the freedom to practice your religion. Um so I love that built it. You know, whether you think, see our nation as a Christian nation or not, I think something that we have going for us is the uh, the freedom of religion, or at least theoretical freedom of religion. Um, yeah, that we're to, and to, I that mean, to me, it
0: is it is, um, it is beneficial to to both church and state to have. A, a well-defined separation of truth. So like, if that's, if that hasn't been clear in mind, I'm, I'm right there with you. Right. Like those are, that is um, a good and healthy thing, I think for uh, a democratic society um, and how uh, you get into danger of, of coercion and stuff. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, obviously the, it's a, it's a navigating and changing relationship you're seeing. Um, and, and I mean, you know, uh, the other kind of bone I have to pick there is as somebody whose Christian faith um, doesn't fit the sort of mainstream media definition of Christian, which we've kind of talked about tonight. Um, th- like, what's at stake for me is, you know, is this a Christian nation? Well, it's certainly like if people are like, oh yeah, this is a Christian value. I'm like, I some of the stuff that um, you know our politicians say is coming from their Christian faith is would not show up in my Christian faith. Yeah. Um, and so, so right there you have a conundrum, you know, if you're going to ask a, a question about a Christian nation, it's like, okay, well, you know, who's, who's Christianity, who's definition of Christianity. Um, oh. And, uh, and yeah, and so so it is it's it's tricky, which is why I love talking about this stuff and why it's important exactly.
1: To Having spaces like this is important. I love it. But this has been great, Drew. I'm, we're gonna need to wrap it up here,
0: but <laughs> that's right, I we're gonna get out Faith of here.
1: And flag, it's definitely a relevant topic right now. Um, you know, this I just saw recently um, you know, should we take in God, we trust off of our money, uh, you know, some issues about praying at sports and things there's, you know, there's all kinds of things and ways that we're trying to wrestle through this as a country. Um, I remember sometimes growing up seeing church services where the American flag is right up there with the, uh, the crucifix on stage and they're both waving together. And, um, it's an interesting thing to, to wrestle through, but, um, I know sometimes for me, I want to fall only on one side or only on the other, all black, all white. And instead, right now, I'm learning to hold the tension of um, there's a lot that's wonderful about this country and there's a lot that's broken. And uh, is isn't that true about most things in life and trying to learn how to hold the tension of that. So thanks for uh, thanks for helping us navigate this space, man, (laughs) and considering these questions, holding these questions.
0: I'm so grateful for, for your questions and for the others and for the way that you wrapped that up so beautifully. So I'm just going to jump straight to a handful of quick logistical things. One, if you're, if you're listening, um, whether live or later, uh, in the comments on at least on all of the Spirit in the Hills channels and on the podcast feed show notes, um, I'm going to have links to some of the books that I referenced and the articles and things that we shared. Um, and I hope to put them on my personal channel too, but it won't let me share directly to them in the same way. We're, we're working the tech stuff out. We're still trying a new thing. Um, Brandon and I will be back next Tuesday night at 9. Um, and also this week, we're hopefully going to outline our topics so that like at the end of next week's episode, we can tell you a whole week in advance okay, what we're going to yeah, be okay. talking about. Um, I know, right? Uh, that's, that's the hope. Who knows if we'll get there. Um, until then, I hope that uh, you ask a good question and take some time to consider it. And we'll see you next <laughs> Tuesday night it. at uh, nine o'clock central. Awesome!
1: I need to sign off like that. Yeah. Ask I a Question: out. Ask a good question. I love it. That's I Thank was remember. All. Well,
0: that's the one I stole from my mom.
1: Oh, that's right. <laughs> you said that last time. Yeah. All right. I need to steal a quote from your mom too to sign off with. All right. <laughs> Thank you all so much. This has been so fun.
0: All right. Grace and peace, friends. Bye.